Good morning. How y'all doing? Welcome to One Church. A couple of shout outs before we get started. If this is your first time here with us with One Church, welcome. We are so excited that you're here. Can we give it up for our first time guest? You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We know there's a lot of different churches you actually could have showed up to, and we're so glad you're here at onechurch.tv. And we want to give it up for our VIPs. Our volunteers are very important here. Thank you so much for serving day in, day out. And because you serve, lives are being changed. I just want to say thank you very, very much. We're in week two of this series entitled, Not Actually Jesus. And one of the things, the reason why we're doing this series is because we want to kind of debunk the myths, debunk some of the things that if you've grown up in church all of your life, you just kind of heard some stuff and you just kind of assumed it was in the Bible or maybe you didn't grow up in church and you kind of think, isn't that in there? And we're kind of debunking some of those things that we thought was in there, we thought was true, but that really, really just not that true. So we believe here at One Church that truth matters. We believe that truth is actually helpful here at One Church and that if we live our lives by what is true, then things are going to go better for us. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you were going to go to Clark, from Clarksville to Nashville, you would get on I-24, Interstate 24, and you would go east, all right? Now, let me tell you what's true. If you go I-24 going east on the eastbound lanes, you're going to get there probably safely. If you go I-24 going east on the westbound lanes... Things are not going to go well for you, right? They're just not. In fact, we're going to be reading in the paper about you. We just will. Let me give you another another uh, scenario. How many of y'all have ever jumped uh, like a battery off of a car? Anyone? Had a dead battery. So you got something called jumper cables, right? And in these jumper cables, you have two different colors. You have what colors are they? Red and black. Exactly right. Now, let me tell you. If you put the red on the red terminal... And the black on the black terminal, and you do the same thing on the other car, things are going to go well for you. You're going to, God willing, get that car jumped off. If you reverse them, right, things are not going to go well for you. You put black on black and red on red, and maybe on the other side you do red on black and black on red, things are going to go boom. Why? Because we believe that truth matters. Now, here's the, here's the difficult thing when it comes to spirituality, is when, when it comes to spiritual things, we've kind of grown up in a generation that it really doesn't matter what you believe. In fact, we've heard this, and we've talked about this last week, that you can believe one thing, I can believe another thing, and as long as we're sincere in our beliefs, then it really doesn't matter what you believe, we're both right. Now, here's the thing, we talked about that last week, that we don't believe that is true. And more importantly, I don't believe Jesus believed that's true because here's what Jesus said in John chapter 18. He says this to a guy by the name of Pilate. Jesus told Pilate, I was born into this world, why? To tell about the truth. And everyone who belongs to the truth knows what? Knows my voice. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? Jesus told this Roman officer, Pilate, there is a such thing as truth. Jesus came to give us spiritual direction, spiritual truth, spiritual purpose. And Jesus taught that if we take our lives and we conform it to what is true, our life will go better. So today, we're, and that's the reason why we're doing this five-part series. We're on part two. Today we're talking about the whole idea that sin has sizes. Sin has sizes. 
Now, while we're talking about this, because some of you, some of us, you believe out there that just because of all the stuff that you've done in your life, that God could never forgive you. In fact, some of you, you've resisted going to church because you think, you know what, I can never be that good. I can never be that perfect. You know yourself all too well, and you think, you know what, Chris, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've done. I was in an army, and I wrongfully killed a person. You don't know what I did in Iraq and Afghanistan. You don't know all of the hard drives that I've swapped around. You don't know about my first marriage or my second marriage. You don't know how I walked out on my children. You don't know about the affair. You don't know about my abortion. That God could never forgive me because I've not forgiven myself. So some of you, you're kicking the tires of Christianity, but you just, you've kind of kept your distance because you think there's no way that God could ever forgive me. Now, that's one group of people. Some of us, we have a tendency to minimize sin. Ah, sin. You know, that's some old fuddy-duddy thing that was written in a book 2,000 years ago, and it's not that big of a deal, right? Some of us, that's how, our, how we view sin. And then there's other of us, others of us that we have a tendency to focus on the sin of other people. Uh, anybody married to anybody like that? Don't raise your hands. All right? You see, you know, well, I might struggle with this thing, but you know what? It's not as big as what she's struggling with. Or, you know, we call the lies that we sell, tell little white lies. But when other people lie, they're a liar. They're a deceiver, whatever. We, we throw out these big names. But us, it's not that big of a deal. I don't have a problem, right? Other people have a problem. I don't have a problem. So today, all of these conversations have one thing in common. Do sin have sizes? And let me give you a very clear answer. And the answer is yes and no. Let's pray and let's go home. Now, isn't that as clear as mud? Yes and no. Let me talk about the yes and the no, and that's kind of where we're going from today. Yes, there are two sins that the Bible actually talks about that really kind of put it in a different category. And no, sins for the most part don't have any sizes. So what we're going to do over the next 30 minutes is kind of unpack that. Some of you, if you're Christians, if you're Christ followers here, and you kind of read the Bible, and you're not getting a lot out of it, and you kind of try to communion group, and you're like, eh, it's not really working, and you try church, and eh, it's not really, and you just feel spiritually stuck. Let me just hit the pause button by saying this, that if you're spiritually stuck, maybe one of the biggest reasons why you're spiritually stuck is we're going to be talking about why you're stuck today. Because you can do all of these things, all of the right things you would think that would grow you, but because of one little thing in your life, it's going to hinder you growing closer to your Heavenly Father. So, and if you don't deal with this, you will not get closer in your relationship with God. Now, let's talk about, um, uh, let's kind of unpack this. Let me say this very clearly. The first, there's a sin in the Bible that the, that the Bible talks about that really puts it in a separate category all by itself. Some people call this the unpardonable sin or the unforgivable sin. But let's kind of unpack this and what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. This is what Jesus says. I tell you, what is those next two words? Every sin and blasphemy, it's another kind of name for sin, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Let's stop right there. You see, if you're here and you're thinking, you know what, I got the abortion, and you know what, I ended up doing that wrong thing, and it cost somebody's life, you need to know that the biggest hang-up, the thing that you can't really forgive yourself, 
God can and he will forgive you. That should be good news for you and I today. That he can forgive you of everything and anything. It doesn't matter what your story is, what your background is, what you did on that spring break 20 years ago, 10 years ago, last week, right? It doesn't matter. God can forgive you. And we're going to read this. Keep on going on the verse. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except, and then we're going to skip that verse. I'm joking. Except, what is it? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Now, verse 32 adds some clarification. He talks about what that looks like. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man, by the way, the Son of Man was a a, a title that Jesus gave himself, can be forgiven. But if anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. What on earth is Jesus talking about? Well, let's unpack that. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God's invisible spirit that's at work all through the world. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is actually draws people towards God. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you would say it a little bit like this. You know, I feel like I'm being drawn to church. I feel like I'm being drawn to read my Bible. I feel like somehow that God is drawing me to himself. Some of you, over the past year, you've taken a step. You began a relationship with Jesus Christ. You actually got baptized. You started just taking steps. I got into a community group, or I got into Christianity 101, and you just felt like God was drawing you. You see, who draws you is the Holy Spirit. Others, people have invited you to church for years. Hey, you want to come to church with me? No. You want to come to church with me? No. When it comes to, and after a while, it's like, okay, I'm going to say yes because I want them to shut up, right? And then you actually show up at church, and you're like, huh, ain't that something? I, I kind of enjoy this. And that process, who was drawing you was the Holy Spirit. That's very, very interesting. So, so the Holy Spirit's job is drawing people into a relationship with God. So the unforgivable sin, some churches call this the unpardonable sin, is when the Holy Spirit is trying to lead someone into an encounter with Jesus and you say, no, no. Why is that unforgivable? Because, as we looked last week, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. There is no salvation apart from Jesus. This is what it says in John 14, 6. It says this, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. God, Jesus didn't say, I am a way. I am a way amongst multiple ways. And just in case you needed more clarification, no one. By the way, the Greek word for no one, you want to know what it means? No one. It's crazy. No one can come to the Father except through me. When the Holy Spirit leads you into an encounter with Jesus and you don't respond, what you're saying is that you don't need Jesus. That that he isn't your way, he isn't your truth, and he isn't your life. And because of that, you won't be able to get to the Father, you won't be able to get to heaven. When we see Jesus and he gives us that invitation for us to begin a relationship with him and you walk away, there's something about that that God says, I can forgive anything else. But I cannot forgive that. If that's your final choice, that once you die, that for you to say, I, am, I don't want to be with God for eternity, he is going to honor your choice. He is going to honor your choice. 
of not wanting to be with Jesus, and you will be separated from him eternally. Now, here's the question, is what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Because the unforgivable sin is resisting the forgiveness of Jesus Christ when it's offered to you. Now, here's the good news. Even though that may be the unforgivable, it's not unforgivable yet for everybody in here because you're still alive. You still have a chance. In fact, for some of you today, you're going to say, okay, Chris, I'm going to cross that line. I am going to begin to believe in Jesus for him to be my Savior. And that, that's awesome. That's great news. So that's the sin, the one sin that's in a category all its own. It cannot be forgiven. Now, rejecting Jesus, that's what it is. Now, here's the thing. There's another sin that I want to talk about just briefly that is forgivable, but it has a lot deeper in, in, in consequences. It's a lot more entangled. And when I start talking about it, all of you are going to be going, yep. In fact, some of you, you kind of made some of these choices, and there, there may be some things happen, and you're like, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's complex. It's forgivable, absolutely, but it's just complex. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, and he says this, run from sexual sin. You see, Paul is spotlighting sexual sin from all others, and he says run. Why? Is it unforgivable? No, not at all. It's totally forgivable. So why is he really harping on this sin? Look what he has to say. Run from sexual sin. Now I'm going to keep on reading. No sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. What is Paul saying? Is sexual sin forgivable? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sexual sin is very forgivable, but no sin has greater entanglements and impact in your life for future than sexual sin. I mean, I've been a pastor for 20 years, and I've heard it all. I've heard about affairs. I've heard about bringing pornography in your marriage, about same-sex attraction, and I've counseled couples. And you know what? It, it, it just... Even when they get things right, it's just like a domino effect. It is. It's like, or people who will have sex before marriage or outside of marriage, it just, it's one of those things that it will snowball and snowball and snowball. And even when you start getting things right, it's like, really? What's wrong with me? What's happened? It's kind of like, sex is kind of like duct tape. Now, before you go, what in the world, right? Y'all watch this video and tell me what you think. A lot like this tape. Notice there's nothing on this right now, but I bet if we stick it to some different people, we'll actually take something away. See, there's some lint. And there's some fuzz. Let's stick it to another person. Let's stick it to another one. This is fun. This tape is sticky. Stick. Stick. And there's another person. Let's stick it to them. Stick. This tape is starting to lose its stickiness. Why isn't it sticking? The tape isn't sticking. Well, I've been sticking to a lot of people, and I've picked up a lot of hair and 
lot of lint and a lot of fuzz. I've really taken a lot. Oddly enough is well the tape lost its stickiness. Sex is like that. It's it's sticky. It unites. It bonds. It fuses. A lot of times couples wonder when they get married why their marriage doesn't seem to stick. Maybe it's because they gave so much stickiness away. Whatever you do, don't give away your stickiness. You see, sex is more than just physical. It's emotional. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. And here's the thing. When you keep on giving and giving and giving and giving away, you're going to realize that once you find Mr. or Mrs. Right, you have nothing left to give because you're empty. You, you've lost the stickiness of it. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because all of the partners you had before and now you're in the relationship and it's like, what is wrong with me? Why is there a, a crater and why am I so hollow? And that's something you're going to need to work through. Is it forgivable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. But it just gets, it just gets really entangled. And some of you know what I mean by that when because you had an affair or you did something dumb and the marriage busted apart and you got kids and you're trying to figure out, okay, who has, you know, who has the kids on this weekend and during the summers? It gets com it's complicated, isn't it? It's exactly what Paul is talking about. You see, you can recover from a bankruptcy. You can make stupid financial mistakes, and for you know, the next seven years, it's going to be a little weird, but you can recover from that. You'll survive. You can apologize for a lie. You can get over a lot of things and a lot of choices, but sexual sin just leaves a mess. And Paul says, run, run. If you're single, run from sexual temptation. If you're married, play within the bounds. Don't introduce pornography. Don't introduce swinging. It says, now, what about all the other sin? Uh, is, do the rest of the sin have sizes? And the answer to that is no. No. The verse that we're really going to be landing hard on today is Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles or if you've got you version, go ahead and open that up to Galatians chapter 5. And Paul explains this truth that we're really going to camp on today. And look at the insight that he gives in verse 19. Paul writes, when you follow the what? The desires of your sinful nature, the what? Results are very clear. Now, Paul introduces a principle here. Here's the principle. There is a link between desire and results. If you have a certain desire, it will lead you to a certain result. I'm going to confess the sin of one of our staff people today. Let me tell you who it is. It's Patrick Fowler. Patrick, my boy Pat, loves Twinkies. Right Now, some of you are thinking, it looks like you like Twinkies. Well, I understand where you're going. I'm not a big Twinkie fan. When, when Hostess went bankrupt, I mean, I love Pat, but he started hoarding Twinkies. I mean, boxes. Seriously, you go up in his office, it's like, what in the world? Is this like a Twinkie factory, right? In fact, somebody gave him, I won't mention who it was, but gave him like a Twinkie maker. Y'all know who I'm talking about, Brian and Paula Anderson. Just saying. Anyway, about how you can make your own Twinkies, you were feeding that, right? You were feeding that desire. Well, here's the thing. Pat, and Pat, he's skinny, right? That's another reason why I dislike Pat. 
right? I look at an apple, I gain 20. My boy Pat eats 24 things of Twinkies, and he's like a rail. I'm like, what's up, right? Anyway, I'm just, actually, I love Patrick a lot. But if Patrick sat down and ate a box of Twinkies, that's his desire. What's going to be the result? The result is he's going to have a stomachache. You see, for some of you, you have specific desires, and if you act upon those desires, you're going to have a specific result. If you love golf more than you love having a job, your desire will determine you not having a job, and when that's going to lead to you not being able to play golf. Why? Because the desire determines the result. Sin works exactly that same way. So when you have a sinful desire and you act on that sinful desire... The desire will determine the result, and Paul goes on to explain the, the, the kind of the differences between desires and results. Let me just stop right here. Having desires isn't bad, right? The Bible calls that temptation. It's when we act on those desires and temptation that we can get ourselves in trouble. Look what it says in verse 19 and following. It says this about this, desires and results. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And then he starts listing some of these. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I mean, I think Paul was like, my hand's getting tired, I'm just going to say etc., Right? And then he says this, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is Paul saying here? He does something very, very interesting. Even though sexual sin has implications which are different, messier, and more difficult than other sins, Paul lumps it all in with every other sin. In fact, up here, I've kind of listed Little sins and big sins. Now, here's the thing. If you're a Christian here, if you grew up in the church, this one you're going to struggle with. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because when you're reading that list, you're thinking, oh, that's a biggie. Oh, that's a biggie. Right? And I'm like, eh, ain't that big a deal. Right? We have a tendency to, so let's just kind of rate them, me and you. All right? Sexual immorality, little or big? Eh, I'd probably say that's more of a biggie. Like, woo, right? Impurity, all right? That's where you're just thinking about crazy stuff, right? Eh, we'll make that smaller, right? At least you didn't act on it, right? All right, what about lustful pleasures, right? All right, well, you didn't do it, but you're thinking all kinds of freaky, weird stuff. Eh, we'll put it small, right? And then idolatry. What is idolatry? That's where you worship something other than God. That's a biggie, right? So we'll go, ooh, that's a biggie. If I had more dry race, I'd do it. Sorcery, that's witchcraft. Huh? Right? Oh my gosh, right? Hostility. In our home? <laughs> Ain't that big of a deal. Right? Some of you had hostility in the parking lot coming to church today. Tell the truth, shame the devil, right? Some of you, yep. All right? Quarreling last night. Small. Right? Jealousy. That's where you, you, you maybe jealous for your spouse talking to somebody, or maybe you're jealous of something that somebody else has. Eh, it's, it, it, we'll kind of put that as small, right? I mean, anger. How many of y'all are men in here? How many of y'all have angry problems? There you go. There you go. So anger. Uh, eh, it's 
not that big, right? Everybody needs to blow off some steam. And anyway, she provoked me. Selfish ambition. And we'll put that kind of in the smaller category. Envy, that's where you're just not content. Well, that's, that's Americans, right? So we're just going to put that right there. Drunkenness in the church, right? That's a huge one. And, and parties, wild parties. If you're a Christian, here's your problem with wild parties. You don't get invited anymore. So you put that over here, right? Here's the problem. You see, Paul didn't do this. Paul didn't rate them as little or big. And here's the tendency that you and I have, is we have a tendency to minimize our sins and maximize the sins of others. That's it, right there. In fact, let me tell you, if you grew up in the church, you know exactly how the church works because churches and pastors in the South will preach against alcohol to the day is long, but they won't preach against overeating and gluttony just doesn't. By the way, they're both in the Bible. They're both sins. Or we will, we all have a tendency, you know what, that because we don't struggle with homosexuality, we'll pick it and do all of these crazy things about it, and we'll, you know, call that one thing, but we won't talk about pornography. Though over half of the people in the church struggle with pornography. We won't talk about lustful thoughts or impurity. I was reading a tweet a while back that it's okay for a worship pastor to cuss in the green room backstage before they come on. Like, really? You see, impurity, I, I may tell some bad jokes, but it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, hey, it's just, it's just, it's just a little joke. You know, you know, nobody was hurt. And you see, what God does is he doesn't do them little or big. He just says, it's all sin. It's all sin. In our tendency to minimize our own sin, and all of us has it, I have it, all of us have stuff that we struggle with, and maximize the sin of other people, even that's a sin. You see, if you think that you're doing really, really good, and that you're like, oh, I'm perfect, <laughs> then what that tells me is that you're not probably reading your Bible or really close to God. Because it said in, in this one book way back ago in Isaiah, when Isaiah got close to God in Isaiah chapter 6, the closer he got to God, the more he realized he was more jacked up. And that is exactly what you and I need to do. And that's really where my do-out is today. That's my homework for you today. Because all of us, we have a tendency to look at other people's sins and say, oh, they're big, they're massive, because I don't struggle with them. But the little things in my life, the white lies or you know, dishonesty or exaggeration, whatever you do in your life, it's like, well, that, you know, that, that's not really an issue. No, it's all sin. The longer you're in church, the longer you're a Christian, our tendency is to rate them. Let me tell you what our big idea is today. When you see the seriousness of our own sin, the sins of others don't look as big. You see, when you see the seriousness of your sin, looking at other people's sins really don't look that big and massive. I need a volunteer. Now, think about this. This, you're in a safe place. We're talking about sin. So I need you to come up. It'll be fun for me and you. I'm just joking. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I can't even see you who you are, but thank you for coming up. We got some game show music coming down. You're the next contestant on The Sin is Wrong. What's up? How you doing, Roach? <laughs> you doing all right, man? Y'all say hello to Roach. Oh, I just killed your phone. Thank you, bro. All right, Roach, I got a deal for you, bro, all right? 
up here on this table, I got some cool stuff. I've got three milkshakes from McDonald's that I'm going to give away. All right? Now, here's the thing. Uh, before, I, I'm going to ask you which size you would like. All right? Normally, what size would you pick? The small one. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> Next contestant. No, no. <laughs> All right, come here, come here. All right, now, even though you, so you normally pick a small one, let's look in here and see if you think you're going to like this. You think you're going to like this? Oh. What, what is that? I know, right? Is that fungus? It is a little bit of fungus. Um, the milk has curdled, so there's some stuff in there. Okay, maybe that's not good. Let's look at this one. You like this one any better? Yeah, the same thing. It's kind of nasty, uh, but the supersize me. All right, what about that one? That's saucy. All right, I wish you guys were up here so that you could smell the waftiness of it. All right, so here we have three nasty milkshakes, right? Now, I do want to say, though, the small one has less nastiness than the big one because it's smaller, right? All right, you, so can I, you want it? Okay, okay, what if I put some motor oil in there? I, really, I bet you that would help your decision... Oh, that's saucy. 10W30. All right? It's a little thin. It, all right, a little thin. All right, so what about now? Okay, it would. All right, what, what about some liquid Drano? I bet you if we can do some, maybe some Drano. Oh, that's sauce right there. That's amazing. What about now? Does that help? Does that make you want it more? Well, come here and smell it. All right, okay. Bleach. How about we do bleach? All right. By the way, I did this first service, and somebody says, yeah, when you mix bleach and Drano, that, there's a chemical reaction. I'm like, good. <laughs> what about it now? No? Okay, here I got shampoo. I got some suave. Now, shampoo's a good thing, right? Did you, did you, did you shampoo your hair? It smells good. It looks good. All right. I shampooed my hair last week. So, so shampoo... It's good, right? So I'm going to put a little bit of shampoo in there, right? What about now? You want it now? Can I interest you in it? Can't? But it's, okay. You see, here's the thing. It doesn't matter if it's a large milkshake or medium-sized milkshake or a small milkshake. All three of these are contaminated. All of them have fungus, and it's curdled, and it's stench, and you wouldn't want any of them, right? So I'm going to ask Katie, my lovely assistant, she actually has a a dead-up, legit milkshake from Steak and Shake. So uh, let's give it up for Roach. Thank you, Roach. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Absolutely. You see, here's the thing. None of that is appealing, whether it's in a small, medium, or a large size container. It's not. Paul is saying that is exactly what sin is. You, you say, you know what? My anger is not that big of a deal. No, your anger is just as bad as sexual immorality. Or, you know, my lustful thoughts, it's just in my head. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's just as bad as drunkenness or selfish ambition. It is all contaminated. It would be like this. I've heard of people taking brownies and having two pans of brownies. I almost did this, but it would have been too nasty. In, in one set of brownies, you put chocolate and doggy do. And then the other one, right, right? And then the other one, you just do chocolate. 
And you're thinking, okay, so you have a, a regular set of brownies that's good, and then you have another set of brownies that only has maybe about 5% worth of doggy, dog feces in it, right? It's just small, but who would ever want the dog feces? Why? Because that 5% contaminated 100% of it. Nobody would want it. And that is exactly what our sin does. Our sin, our sin doesn't have any sizes, an outburst of anger, well, she provoked me, she did this, she made me do that. No, it's sin. In fact, did you know your anger is just as bad as murder? Seriously. In fact, this is what Jesus says. Put up that verse if you would. This is in Matthew. That you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, don't murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry will be subject to judgment. I mean, sin is sin. It's all contamination. It's all just a big, nasty, moldy milkshake. Some of you think, well, you know what? What about lusting? I mean, I'm not really thinking. You know, pornography is not really hurting anybody, right? Just taking that second look at that guy, you know, walking around with the skinny jeans, that's not that big of a deal, right? Right? Listen to what Jesus said about this. You've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. We all know that's bad, right? But I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman, or we could say man, lustfully has already committed adultery with her or him in his heart. You see, what Jesus is saying is that sin is sin. That the, that the desire determines the results. God is serious with every level of sin because Jesus Christ died for all sins. When we see the seriousness of our sin, then everybody else's sin is not going to look that big. Look at Galatians 5.22. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, hit the pause button. What, what are you saying, Jesus, that if you live that sort of life, that, that, that means you're not going to be saved? That, you, that you're like, were a Christian and now you're not? I don't think that's what he's saying at all. The kingdom of God is more than just getting to heaven. It's experiencing everything that God wants you to experience right now for you. So if you're going to live your life like, you know, sin really isn't that big of a deal, that's your choice. You can choose that. That just means that you're not experiencing all the things that God wants you to experience in this life. The Bible teaches that you can be a Christian and totally miss out on what God has in store for your life. That's why we get stuck spiritually. We say, you know what, I'm not making any progress. I'm not making any progress. I'm reading the Bible, I'm not making any progress. I'm serving, I'm not making any progress. You're right, because you're not cleaning up your sins. What you think are small sins are actually huge hindrances of you coming to know God more. Paul says you can't live like that. You can actually be a Christian and still choose sin and junk. You can choose to live, remain in that rut. You can choose the milkshakes that are nasty. And you'll still be okay, but know this, it's going to have some effects. You can still live like that. But God, that's not what God wants for your life. Look at what the next verse says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And then he gives another list. I love this list. It says this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Question, if you're going to sign up for this list or that list, which list do you want? Right? 
We want the the goodness and the joy and the faithfulness and the self-control. That's the list that we want. And Paul says, if you want that list, then remember, your desire is going to determine your results. If this is the result that you want, then you're going to have to have your desires change. You're going to have to say no to your desires and say yes to the Holy Spirit's desires living in you. And I believe that last one, self-control, really is the linchpin. It's when you start to exercise self-control that God will give you the power to do it because he's giving you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is at work in you. You can rely on him. I love that. When you do that, God will give you peace. Where you once had dissension, you'll have peace. Where you once had envious and you were never content, now you have joy. Where you once were impure, now you experience goodness. Why? Because the desire determines the result. If you desire to tolerate little sins in your life, then the result will grow into something that is ugly and nasty and will leave you in a rut and stuck no matter how much you read your Bible because you first have to work on the sin in your life. Then Paul ends Galatians 5.23 with this. There is no law against such things. So he gives the, all the good list, and then he says, there's not a law against such things. He says, when it comes to the first list, our desires, you have to have laws to control people's behavior because people are jacked up. But when an individual embraces and, and the desires fueled by the Holy Spirit, you don't need really that much law anymore. Think of it this way. You've never heard anybody say, you know what, I have too much patience. Mom, have you ever said that to your two-year-old? I am just too patient with you. No, right? Have you ever heard a spouse complain to a counselor about the other spouse? There's just too much love here, right? I just wish he would get angry or she would just complain and nag a little bit more. That never has ever been uttered, right? You can't have too much love in a relationship. You can't have too much joy. You can't have too much patience. Paul says when a community, when an individual, when a family embraces and allows the Spirit of God to transform his or her behavior, the need for the law diminishes to next to nothing. It's why the best families really don't need a lot of rules. The most healthy organizations and companies don't need a lot of rules, because you have everybody's rowing in the same direction. Everybody has the Holy Spirit living inside them, and they want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Verse 24, those who belong, by the way, this is our homework for today, right here. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. In fact, just leave that up. If you could take the word nailed, we don't quite understand that. Wipe off that word and put the word no. Because what we're going to be doing today on our homework is that when you nail your own desires and passions, what you're saying is no to your desires and passions and saying yes to God's desires and passions. Jesus died for our sins. Our response my response is to crucify, to say no to those things because our desire determines our results. If I just want my desires, my desires is going to lead me down this list. If I say yes to God's desires, it's going to lead me down that good list. 
But you're going to have to say no to one and yes to the other. You want to start making progress in your spiritual life, then you've got to get out of the rut you're in. You gotta have to, you're going to have to reprioritize your life, and you're going to have to say no to your stuff and yes to God's stuff. How does that work out practically? Here it is. Some of you, you're going to need to say no to some things that are sucking up your time that's keeping you from reading your Bible. You're going to need to, just a suggestion, turn, stop watching one of your television shows so that you can hit pause and you can read the Bible. Now, is there anything wrong with a television show? No. But if that television show is keeping you from reading the Bible, then you're going to have to reprioritize that. You're going to have to nail that, say no to your desire, and say yes to God's. Some of you, all right, you, you let hobbies kind of reign your life. Some of you, it, it's, it's, it's a workout or this or that, and you just, you, it, you're so regimented, nothing wrong with any of that. But just say, okay, I'm not going to do as much today so that I could spend more time talking to God in prayer. That's saying no to one thing and yes to a God thing. Here's another one. Some of you are going to have to say no for your children so that they're not doing dance and baseball and volleyball and underwater BB stacking and all of that stuff, right? And some of you moms, if you were to tell the truth, you feel like a mom taxi, right? And you're like, ding, 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 you're all over the place. And you've got no extra bandwidth to be able to build a relationship with another lady. Or if you're a guy, you don't have any relationship, any time to build relationships with other men. You don't have enough time to pray, to read God's word, to, to serve. You say, you know what, we're not going to do all of that. And you say no for your kids. Now, is there anything wrong with your kids doing stuff? Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with hobbies. Nothing wrong with television shows. But you're going to have to reprioritize. And you're going to have to do some things differently. That's just the facts. And let me tell you, I've been around people who says, well, yeah, I need to do that. Not going to, right? You ever been around people that have problems and you try to help them with their problems and give them suggestions and they keep on giving excuses, right? It's like taking a brick wall and going, right? It's it's so frustrating. Here's the thing, that's all of us because all of us have excuses. But see, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to say no to some of our desires and say yes to God's desires. Why? Because our desire determines our result. Last verse. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. As we close, what do you do with this? Okay, I hear what you're saying, Chris. Sin doesn't have sizes. Okay, I got it. But what should should be our takeaway from this? Well, let me tell you, it's very simple but it's very difficult to do, and that's this. I am going to challenge you over the next seven days, over the next week, to spend some time confessing your sins. Now, when I say the word confessing, some of you immediately go, okay, that means I need to go to a priest. Or, and, and, and No, it doesn't. Because God's word says this in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my challenge for you is to really kind of almost sit in front of a spiritual mirror and just kind of go through some lists. Have you had any impurity in your life? Have you told some jokes that maybe you shouldn't have told or laughed at some jokes maybe you shouldn't have laughed at? Have you 
Have you been involved in pornography? Have you had some crazy, weird, lustful thoughts? Are you worshiping something else besides God? Now, we don't practically do this. We do this, how we do this is with our money. You see, God says, I want you to give a percentage to me, and we say, I don't have the money. But we'll give it to Capital One. We'll spend it on hobbies. That's idolatry. Sorcery, none of us probably do that. Hostility, that's all of us, right? If you've got kids, you're hostile. <laughs> if you've got a teenager, you're on a cussing binge, right? I'm just saying, all right? We got to work on that. Because that's a bad one. So we, we, we ranked it as small. Now, that's a big one. All of it's big in God's eyes. Quarreling. There's not a lot of people in the church that quarrel about things, is there? Next. Jealousy. Some of you, I met, I've counseled a lot of men and women who struggle with jealousy of the other spouse. And they think that's healthy. No, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. In fact, um, it, it says perfect love casts all of that out. It casts out all the fear of what, what's going to happen if she does or he does. No, no, no. And in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love is not jealous, envious, boastful, or proud. Jealousy is a sin. Anger, guys, we struggle with that. Ladies, you struggle with that. Selfish ambition, you, this is all about you. All about you being the center. Envy, we're just never content. And so I want you to spend some time just talking to God. God, which one of these do I have? If you want another list, here's another list. Please write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 9. And that's another list that talks, and it lists all of these, you know, some we think are big, some we think are small, but God says, no, they're all sin. And I just want you to tell God, God, please forgive me. God, please forgive me for this. God, I shouldn't have done that. And for the next seven days, every day, you just, you pray what David prayed. God, search me and know me. And Lord, if you do that, you will cleanse me and make me whiter than snow. It just could be that the reason why you're not growing spiritually is because you think sin has sizes. And yours is small. And everybody else is big. And God says, no, I died for your sin of gossip. Just as much as I died for somebody who killed someone. It is all sin. It's all contamination. And it will all ruin your life. Let's pray.